It is the morning of the 16th of October 2019. Good morning and welcome to PBE Daily, the early mornings and late night podcast. My name is Point Blank Yvombi. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on this episode. I've been having a very interestingly happy week. Let me explain. Monday had this interesting turn of events because on Sunday night, to actually have my mind go to sleep and wake up early enough on Monday was kind of difficult. But the thing that actually made me really look at it differently was the fact that I didn't feel sleepy all day in the office and I was super productive. Then Tuesday night came and Tuesday night came and you were wondering, okay, am I going to be able to pull off this thing that I think is going to be a success or not? And when Tuesday night hit, even though Monday had barely had any sleep, I was productive. Tuesday was also affected by the fact that Monday night I didn't have enough sleep, but I still was productive. But Tuesday night when I walked into the house, I was actually physically tired and I wasn't with any intention of trying to be productive in any way, shape or form because I told myself that I'm trying to avoid making 17 hours of work happen every day. So I decided to not work that night. So I'd wake up early enough to actually get things done today. And believe it or not, I was able to actually rise in the moments I wanted to rise. And I was happy about it because my eyes just slowly opened to begin the day. And I'm very, very thrilled about that particular fact. I'm drawing closer and closer to a number that I was really, really excited about being able to hit in the, on this podcast. And then when the day comes, you'll hear it. And it will probably even be louder in how I, I portray the episode that's going to be recorded on the day that that number gets hit. So excitement is in the air. And I'm very happy about that. A lot of stuff that's been happening as far as research is concerned. There's a pace I've been taking to be able to make things come to life. And that pace that I took is not choking to me it's not exhausting to me it's not panic driven to me and I, I think it's all born because of the fact that this weekend that passed was spent indoors relaxing and I find that there's a degree of order this week there's a degree of understanding there's a degree of pacing and there's a degree of comfort and also there's a conscious decision I made during the day where for the eight hours I'm going to be in the office I do not go online I'm not going to be on any social platform I'm not going to be receiving any emails if anything is supposed to be done that actually requires my undivided attention whoever that person is will probably call me in order for us to be able to be able to make that thing happen there's plenty to be handled and not enough time to do it and so we're going to take our time to actually make every moment manifest itself this morning I chose to make this episode have a topic that is very close to, to very near and dear to my heart to be honest and it's because I believe I've hinted at it before. The thing I'm loving about this podcast of mine is as time goes by I'm slowly realizing it's almost as if it's a syndicated show. You can tell from every episode that there is a learning curve that is existing and my realizations have one thread that ties them all together and they continue in the same path because it's literally my growth through every musing that I have so it's almost as if I'm making memoirs of everything I'm learning in 2019 thus far since the month of May and today today I'm going to touch on this topic because it's interesting when you wake up one day and the first face that pops up on the cookies that you're watching on YouTube is Irvin Lorenzo Gatti aka Irv Gaddy, the guy who created Murder Inc. Records and it's interviews he was having and one of them was with Nick Cannon for the Cannon class and yes, you can tell from most of the podcasts that I actually record, they're very informed by the excesses I've taken into YouTube podcasts that I, I enjoy. I, I barely watch TV shows as I should or as is expected because status quo is a lie and 
I don't think there's any show that actually has evoked enough momentum in me to make me want to watch them outside of Mind Hunters. Every other show and every other film is struggling to get my attention. So it's mostly been stand-up comedy or interviews with Joe Rogan or Canon Class or all these other TV shows and radio shows. And Irv Gatti is one of those guys who comes from a generation of hip-hop that I truly hold very, very dear to me. And he was being interviewed about the different paths he's taking ever since he he was barred from making music as far as Murder Inc. was concerned. The sad moment when he had to actually bow down and stop calling his station, his, his production house Murder Inc., pardon me, and start calling it The Inc. And how he, he did not like that he sold out to make that kind of a business move. And then how he comes back and he's now redefining himself from scratch. And he's taking his ventures into television by making the shows that he made for BET, the shows he made for Tidal, and uh, Tales is probably one of his biggest uh, achievements since the making of hit song music, and his directorial debut was also there, and I think also it, it kind of buries back to the people he grew up with. Now, here's the way to put things into context as to why the title of the show is Who's Schooling Who? When you look at how people try to do business in the 2000s, we are born from the generation, if you're a hip-hop fan, and you're looking at hip-hop moguls or the hip-hop individuals we look up to, there were most of them born during the mid-90s or late 80s towards the 90s up, up until the 2000s. And this is what was being learned as the music industry was going. Now, most of this information is coming from not only what Irv Gotti was talking about, but from different people who've, who've been touched by this particular period in entertainment in the United States. Because for most of us in Africa, what we learned about what business acumen was, it was either we watched mobster movies or we were watching the music industry documentaries that talked about how certain artists were making certain specific moves. It's no surprise when it came to most people in the in the Kenyan music industry when they made their records labels, the first thing they did is probably have their own clothing line, watch out the brand of the record label that they are actually a part of. This is something that has been a continuing trend for record labels in, in the 90s and late 90s more particularly or more specifically if you will you had to be a brand from the from the company logo all the way up to the company uh, artists who are signed to the label and everything like that now when it came to how Irv Gotti was schooled into the music industry this is what he, he states first 17 years old is when he met Jay-Z 17 years old is the same time he meets DMX. 17 years old is the same time he meets Damon Dash. And at that age of 17, this is the same time the Jay-Z's of this world are trying to find themselves to get a record label and a record deal and all that. And at that period, this is early 90s stuff. Many people were trying to get into the music industry and they need role models to actually inspire them to do it. The main role model for most of people in the New York music industry was the fact that we, they all believed white people owned the record labels until they saw a certain young man from Queensbridge called Uncle Rush or Russell Rush or Russell Simmons to most of us today. You know him as a yogi, I know him as the guy who was one of the co-founders of Def Jam Music, wanted to make the loudest and most aggressive music come to life and thanks to him we got LL Cool J, we got Public Enemy, we got uh, a slew of other rappers, Run DMC, which one of the members is actually his own brother and when you look at this situation, the family dynamic was kind of important because the guys who are closest to you are the guys who actually got the fighting chance to make things happen. Now you take a business acumen and the capital that you'd probably gain from the streets and then you take that business acumen and you take it into the business industry of making music for yourself. But then the biggest issue they got to discover was the distribution deals were the ways they would make bigger money and ownership of the licenses as far as the music that is being created. So a lot of artists who got their first debut into the music industry and that's like the same problem that suffers 
firstborn children. They are the lab rats of parenting. They end up suffering because the parent is trying to figure out what to do right and what not to do. I mean, in my case, I'm certain that whatever experiences my oldest brother had and the experiences that I have are two very different worlds. But the thing I love about my older brother is he's resilient. And the one thing that is a clear indication of the fact that we're related is we never let ourselves get bogged down. It, it will hurt for a bit, but then you give, we put a battery in our back, we'll get back on our feet and we'll do exactly what needs to be done. So big shout out to my man Ephraim. Love you to death, bro. Now, since Earth got you got to see how the way was music was being navigated by Uncle Rush, he figured okay maybe i could find a way to actually get in with these guys and do business with them and at that time jay-z and damon dasher tried to get a record deal so rockefeller records happens and then the different steps he took to make sure he was able to get his friends signed because yonkers had this amazing rapper called dmx you've heard me mention his name slightly earlier and at that time he was hanging out with this 16 year old producer called swiss beats and then when you see these two individuals together the kind of magic they could create at that time there was no way that Irv Gotti was not going to try and get the signing of DMX into Def Jam Music and at that time they were going through a lot of financial problems and they were about to lose the company that they were actually owning and Irv Gotti was the guy who actually was able to save the company from being taken over by a different conglomerate altogether because at that time the supergroups were being created. Think about it along the sides of for the guys who worked in ad agencies. Think about it in the times when certain ad agencies started buying out all the small ad agencies and putting them under one umbrella and as a result the quality of entertainment and the quality of advertising got affected because it was all coming out from one pipeline and the same pipeline would not have different ideas. It stayed singular in every, how everything looked. Which is why I feel some companies need to take a leaf off of the pages of a book called uh, BBC One Extra. <laughs> BBC kind of mastered the way of just keep the stuff of the company you wanted to buy, just put a different logo on the door and different drops on the door, but let them do what they do best. Okay, back to the story I was trying to tell. Now, pardon me about that. The crazy thing is, when you look at how most of these individuals in these record labels were conducting themselves, the most important thing to them was to figure out how to make sure they completely control how the music industry moved at the time. The label executives had no idea what the newest talent was. They never knew how exactly certain artists would be relevant to the music industry thereafter. One person would try to defend aggressively the guy who they brought into the into the room and the guy who they brought into the plate. Another person who probably was in a higher position would defend the formula that existed prior and continued to work. So as a result, Irv Gotti had a problem trying to push people to understand that the way DMX sounded and the way DMX spoke, he spoke as a we mentality and not a singular mentality. Jay-Z spoke in the, in the perception of the cool guy. I stand for myself. I am a boss figure. I am the coolest guy in this space. You better listen to me. And DMX spoke, spoke for the person who was, I'm one of y'all. If I don't eat, we don't eat. And we all eat together. As far as we are concerned, everything works for us. And you could tell these kind of dynamics from the way their music sounded. Because it was always about Jigger Man, and in, in the case of uh, DMX, it was, where are my dogs? Not, where, no, where, where am I? Where are my dogs? It was always a crew thinking. And when that formula was put together, they made a lot of hit music and the hit, hit songs kept on coming. Now, fast forward, after all the different trials and tribulations that he had and how he got into 
being pushed away from them being able to produce music and all that and then when he came back into the music industry and he's trying to find his own way back and how the formula has changed the gumbo has changed how to make yourself able to record music case in point the comfort of your own home in the initial stages of something as simple as broadcasting it was either pirate radio where you actually hijack a certain frequency in the fm radios in the uk to actually record a show and then put it out into the world or stream a show at the time and the people who actually actually were doing the pirate radio shows ended up being famous along campuses and then radio stations wanted to have an influence in those campuses and as a result they just take the people from pirate radio hire them into traditional radio stations and then those people became the talents of the radio show the guy who actually was supposed to be the talent that was on a radio station wasn't the guy who went to broadcasting school it was the guy who had enough of charisma from actual interaction in the field and give that person a position to be in radio stations and they controlled radio so that's from the radio dynamic record labels the guy who actually was supposed to a and r an album wasn't the guy who actually found the actual talent per se if anything he was the person who was the liaison to how everything worked now the record executive used to suffer because of the fact that the record exec didn't have to leave the boardroom to find the talented people. The AR person was the person who found all the talent and brought them to the executive of the radio station. Sorry, so the executive of the record label. Now, as a result, the record label is going through losses as the downsizing of the music industry is taking place. And as this downsizing is happening, now why do I need to pay this person double the figure I'm paying him when I have this person who works in AR who actually knows the talent and knows the inner workings and I pay him slightly less? I could slightly bump up this lesser person's job and then fire the guy at the top slowly but surely that changed the dynamic of who would control certain record labels but because of the kind of ambition and hunger that certain people had in the music industry that kind of changed things because this is human nature in 101 when you finally get a place that you fit in and then you see people trying to come for that particular space they will not let you get in because you barely made the money you wanted to make at that time you want to enjoy the accolades and the successes that come from being in that position so any young upstart who comes up in many cases you end up being scared of what they're bringing to the plate and how quickly they'll make you expendable it's unavoidable in every field in the world these particular facts exist we fear the fact that we are expendable we fear the fact that some people will look at us as these old invalid individuals and then we start stomping down that which exists before but then the thing that makes it different in the 2000s is the fact that you can't ignore the internet they can win the world way before they can win your heart and mind a perfect example of this was there was a great um resistance against the Camp Mula band when it came to music in Kenya because everyone felt like they, they were very raw talent that they were getting the chance to be seen across the globe and it wasn't fair and there's nothing to do with fair when it comes to talented individuals and you cannot ignore a person who's actually gotten this circle that works in their favor to be backing them they had the most bluetooth tracks in Kenyan history and at that time Bluetooth didn't really exist for many people prior to them they believed we could just buy CDs burn the CDs and sell the CDs but by the time Kambula were coming out you just as long as you have a phone that I can send the music to you that was it and then they beat everybody by being the first record recording artists in Kenya to actually be playing in Trace France before even Trace Africa knew what was happening around along the lines it's the coolest thing I've ever seen in the world. And at first, I have to admit, I was one of the people who was a naysayer because I didn't understand if they knew what was happening and how quickly they should, should adapt to that. In fact, let's, let's go away from that. When Just A Band had the success of Hahe or the Mac Mender track, 
even they didn't expect it to blow up as aggressively as it did they were learning the industry as they went and because things were moving super fast they couldn't adapt accordingly now imagine them being given advice by a person who's in the music industry 20 30 years prior to them the best advice those people can actually offer to these particular artists is how to make quality music come to life by the play of sounds the acoustic value of things but then with the digital world and the digital age coming in the instrumentation can actually be bumped up by how these people would learn the production quality of things but as far as marketing and taking it to the next level as far as sales branding and successes thereafter they would have to learn that on their own technology and the way to actually get people's attention to listen to you and actually adapt to that which you are creating changes every five years or less and if you don't adapt accordingly you cannot survive in the music industry or entertainment industry in general case in point what i mentioned earlier tv shows are still being made but i would much rather sit down and watch or listen to podcasts that are being created on youtube i've spent more time on youtube in the last three months than i've spent on any other platform whatsoever i mean i do have a netflix account i barely watch netflix stuff unless i'm gravitated towards those specific things if that theme doesn't really interest me i'm not really gonna watch it and not just because you have your content on that platform doesn't mean i'm going to really like what you create because maybe you still brought the old school way of thinking and this old school way of narrative telling to that particular platform and I'm a guy who I'd like to think I'm to a certain degree open-minded, but in some parts I'm very closed-minded and I need to adapt to how to fix that. Let me put that in a perspective that's actually closer to heart. Irv Gotti talking about how the music industry has changed so aggressively is clear proof of the fact that sometimes the guy who claims to have been in the game longer than you have may not have all the answers. It's safe to say whoever's going to guide us in the future is younger than us and we need to adapt to that fact. All we could do is provide the potential for them to not mess up or shoot themselves in the foot when they walk in the boardroom. And that's the part where I feel younger artists and younger creators need to take time to really consider this. I made the mistake of jumping the gun of creating a book when I knew full well I didn't have the capacity to actually sustain making it come out in a syndicated and really foolproof way. As a result, the times I released my books were affected. I didn't release books as often as I should. Another thing was affected was this. I was so quick to want to be seen as a guy who can write narratives. I didn't take the time to plan out a year's worth of narratives in order to be able to just make a year worth of books. I did not plan because I was too interested in trying to get into the business and not knowing on how to sustain the business. I've learned how to hype events, how to rock events, how to really keep people engaged in an audience-oriented space, and how to keep people curious about what I'm creating by younger people telling me what to do. I've said it once and I've said it again. Many of the people who taught me to do what I do best right now were younger than me. They get to actually adapt to these different platforms faster than I do my old thinking is only there to probably use as a way of looking back so i could look forward it's why in the last episode i created i keep on saying like you can't keep on telling me about the new testament if you didn't touch the old testament in this exodus we're creating in our lives we really have to revisit that which was the pitfalls the successes and how to sustain successes in the future in the really quickly changing world marinate on that and for that for those people who are actually older than me and people who are my age do not be angry at those who come after you because believe it or not they're here to stay and as they continue to go they will find a use for you and you will find a use for them it's the balance that is required 
the reason I don't really work with so many people is because I'd like to pay a person what they're worth before I actually tell them, okay, sit down and work with me. If you're willing to put in the work with me, I will guarantee you money in your pocket. It's the one statement that was given by a person who I hold dear to my heart, Buddha Blaze, and it's why me and him still work together. Say it with me. Be Caesar or be nothing at all. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode. Thank you so much for the guys who keep pushing the numbers up. Thank you so much for the guys who are sharing this stuff. Thank you so much for making it possible for me to keep on making content come to life. As we continue to grow, remember Friday, if you're going to be in Nairobi, Alchemist Bar, Point Blank will is going to be hyping from Mix, Mix, Mix Master Lenny and DJ Cash and DJ Lisbon. I will be there to rock it with you guys. But for now, let's go get this grind. Let's go get this paper. Let's go make some history. Uno. <laughs>